Hey everyone, welcome again to Process, a show where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. So this is for all you creators out there. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. Now this is kind of a special episode because it's our first interview of 2017. And in full disclosure, I recorded this episode in July of 2016, but then I never put it out because I got hit with a little bit of morning sickness, um, kind of put me out for about a month, more than a month, to be honest with you, and put me out for, you know, close to three months, four months. But now I'm back and I'm really excited to share this with you because this interview with Moose Winans of cameratips.com is incredibly refreshing. His view of the online world is really different from everything I've been hearing lately. I've been hearing for years, really. And it centers around, you know, metrics, analytics, all that's all well and good. But if you invest in people first, then your business will really take off. And uh, I'm really excited to share Moose's stories and his perspective and his experiences with you. So without further ado, let's get to it. Moose, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome to Process. Thanks so much for having me, Marcella. Tell me a little bit about, first of all, give me the backstory on your first name. Is this a nickname? Is this a, a name? Or <laughs> where, where does yes. this moose thing come from? So uh, it is a nickname. Uh, my, my original name is Dusty. Everybody, uh, you know, when I was born, that's what my parents gave me. Um, as I grew up, uh, I, n- numerous situations led to the name Moose. Um, the one that kind of stuck was in college. I had a kind of eccentric photography teacher and he decided to call everybody a certain nickname depending on their middle initial. So my middle initial is M. So as he's going down the list of people in class, you know, he gets to me because I'm at the very end. My last name's Winans. So he gets to me and sees my first name's Dusty and then he just decides it's Dusty Moose, kind of rolls off the tongue. And so uh, it just kind of stuck from there. And then friends thought that was hilarious. And family then thought that that was hilarious. And so now everybody calls me Moose. And it's kind of telling that it's it was a photography teacher. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of coined uh, this. Yeah. He was um, at, at, back in the day. I feel so old saying that. Uh, back around, two th- it was like 2001 as when I took my first film course in college and uh, this was back before digital photography had had really boomed so we were learning how to process film and and uh, the whole darkroom scene and and this guy I think maybe had too many chemicals but honestly he was one of my favorite teachers very very fun and everybody had a nickname so uh, it was kind of a way for all of us to bond that's awesome so can you tell us you know now that we're on the topic of photography, could you <laughs> yeah. take me back and tell me a little bit about how your journey towards photography started? Was this something that you were always interested in uh, growing yeah. up? Yes. So back when I was about five or six, I got my first camera. It was a Kodak. Um, it's a film camera that was kind of square shaped, kind of looks like looked like a VHS. Uh, for those of you who are old enough to know what VHS is, a VHS tape. Uh, and so I would look through that and take pictures and, you know, it only have like 24 frames and uh, film was expensive at the time. So a lot of times I would just use my imagination and I would go out and pretend like I was taking pictures. And so that just kind of progressed over time. Um, 
as I got into college, I was still really into photography and design, and uh, I was always creative. I just didn't know really how to apply my creativity. And so uh, as I just kept experimenting with uh, photography, um, the the origin of my website, cameratips.com, actually started with a blogspot blog back when I was in college uh, around the 2001-2002 um, time frame. And uh, back then it was just sort of a, um, this is when blogs were very new and um, you know there wasn't a lot of thought or process into what was going to be published. It was just sort of like a journal. And so I would just kind of document uh, things that I was learning and I would try my best to upload photos. Uh, I would have to take uh, prints and then scan them in and then upload them to the website. So it's a lot different than it is now. Um, but that was kind of the process back then. It was just a passion. And what I noticed is that people started coming to my blog and they started commenting and they started asking questions. And um, so it, things just kind of progressed from there. So that was 2001. When did you migrate over to cameratips.com? Yeah, so that was actually a kind of a funny story. So uh, 2006 is when I started cameratips.com. And uh, my wife and I got married in 2006, and we had no money. Um, I remember coming to her and saying, hey, listen, I have this blog, and I think like there may be something to it because I'm seeing traffic, and I see people commenting, and you know, maybe we could turn this into a business someday. Uh, and so luckily she was super supportive. So I went through that process that a lot of us do when we're looking for like a domain name. And I found cameratips.com. Of course, it was already purchased. And so I uh, reached out to the people who owned it. And there was no website. They just had it for sale. Uh, but unfortunately, it was one of those pages where it's just like, contact us if you want to buy this domain. Right. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, man, they're going to ask, you know, they're going to ask for millions of dollars and, and all that kind of stuff. So I offered them everything that I had in my bank account, which when you first get married and you don't really have a job, um, the most I had at the time was $1,000, which felt like a million dollars. And so I remember sending that email out on Christmas Eve of 2006, and they replied back about an hour later and just said, yeah, that, that'll work. <laughs> and I was shocked. I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm getting this domain. And sure enough, about, um, you know, a couple days later, the domain was in my possession and it, it felt like buying a piece of land. It was like this empty canvas that I could now build something on. And even though it was really exciting, it was also kind of daunting because I knew that having put forth that kind of an invet investment, um, it was something that I had to take seriously. So how did it go from there? So you, you've you been blogging about photography uh, for a few years now, about five, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yep. calculating. And yep. uh, you've got cameratips.com and kind of a fresh start. How did it become a business? So uh, what I did is at the time, I didn't think about making money at all. It was at, at the very back of my mind. Uh, what I wanted to do was really create a website that was a little bit different than some of the other websites that are in my space. And I wanted to have it 
from a perspective of my voice. So a lot of the photography educational websites, um, they, they more or less have a lot of contributors. And uh, although the information is very good, it, it never felt like it was coming from an individual. It didn't feel like it was coming from someone that you could relate to. And I know that when I was getting started with photography, the, the people that I appreciated most were um, you know, older gentlemen who would kind of take me under their wing and show me little tips and tricks. And so I kind of wanted to have that same feel. I wanted to be able to connect with people and really kind of give them a glimpse as to how to take better pictures without making things super complicated. And that's what I started doing. So I started creating these tips and resources and tutorials and really focusing in on shortcuts and hacks for moms, dads, business owners, students, just regular people who have a camera and they just want to take better pictures. And so by focusing only on creating good content and communicating with my audience, uh, over time I started realizing that with this traffic, I could eventually turn this into something later. It's kind of like I remember watching um, the movie The Social Network, uh, which was kind of based on Facebook. And, you know, when they started building that, they, they weren't really thinking about, you know, how they were going to turn that into a money-making business. It was more or less they had a passion for coding and they wanted to create something awesome. And that's kind of the approach that I took is that eventually this could turn into something that could make money. But I'm not going to concern myself with that right now. I'm going to focus only on communicating with the people who are interested in, in what I have to say and then just try to create good content. I mean, that sounds uh, good in theory and very difficult <laughs> to execute yes. as a newlywed um, right. who just gave everything in his bank account to buy a that's domain. Right. That, that's You are brave, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a normal nine to five. Well, I shouldn't say nine to five because it's more like 60 hours a week. But I had a design job that was my normal day to day. And uh, so what I would do is I would either get up really, really early or I'd stay up really, really late after I spent time with my wife. Um, and so that's how I put in the time uh, in those early years. Now, as I've kind of grown the business and grown the website, I've able to switch things over to where now the website is now my full-time job. When did you make that switch? So we're talking end of 2006. You're basically yeah. starting 2007 with this new domain. When did right. you go full time with it? So uh, through the process of you know going through um, creating the website and a number of different design changes and ideas for content, eventually I stumbled upon different ways to make money. So one of those ways, which a lot of people know about, is Amazon Associates, where you can uh, do affiliate links. And so I started doing that, and I would make a little bit of money doing that. Um, I never did ads. I never really liked ads, and I just didn't want to mess with them on my website. So I never went that route. Uh, but eventually, I, I came to a point where I was like, I have to create something that's my own. And one of the reasons why I was forced to do that was back, I think, in around 2011, um, the state of Missouri, which was where I live, uh, they were getting ready to pass a law that was going to prevent basically anybody with an Amazon Associates account to basically continue to function. So all of that revenue I was making from Amazon was going to be 
cut off. And so that was really, yeah, it was really scary because I had kind of kind of built my business on on that. And so I realized at that point, I, I don't want to rely on someone else, whether it's the government or Amazon or you know, a third party, I want to create something that's my own. And so I came across an idea one day, just completely random. Um, I had a very, very small Facebook sort of group that um, I just asked a question. I was like, hey, you know, do you guys, would you guys be interested in sort of a cheat sheet? Like something that would just kind of give you very, very simple steps to set up your camera for a specific type of shot. And all of them were like, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. And so over the course of a week, I just powered through and I created this little cheat sheet for a specific camera. Uh, at the time, I think it was like a Canon T1i. And so I just threw it out. I, I actually gave it out for free and people were like, this is awesome. Like you need to charge, you know, you need to make money from this in some way. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll do a test. And so I kind of put it on my website and it, it started gaining momentum and people started talking about it and sharing it and telling their friends and family. And so um, that's kind of where things started changing was around like 2011, 2012. And uh, at the time, I only had cheat sheets for like three cameras. And so I was like, okay, I really have to put some effort into creating these cheat sheets for more cameras. And so as I got more time to work on more cameras, I was able to then... Uh, offset the income that I was making from my normal day job and then convert that over to my online business. So that's actually how I found you. I yeah. read a blog that um, it has amazing pictures and in one just like post that they wrote about, I mean, it's a fashion blog. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this is how I take my pictures. And they had a link to your cheat sheets. <laughs> and then right. I was like, I just bought a camera and I have no, no idea what to do with right. it. Um, let me purchase this. And, um, that's how I found you. And I've yeah. used it a ton. Like I set up <laughs> my kid for anybody who follows me on Instagram has seen like this really corny photo of my kid wearing Christmas lights. <laughs> and I was right? like sitting there with your cheat sheet, like trying to be like, sit still, nice. please one second. Um, <laughs> and we figured it out. Uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. That's so great. So that's, that's actually how I came across you. So your cheat sheets, I mean, you, how many cameras do you have cheat sheets for now? You know, I think we're around 20 cameras at the moment. And so um, really what I do is I kind of uh, test out a camera in the real world. So I'll purchase the camera with my own money and I'll take it out and I'll use it for like a month. And I'll just kind of learn the ins and outs, learn the features that are specific to that camera and really try to come up with something simple that people can follow if they want to just get out of auto mode because that's the natural mode that a lot of people use when they first get their camera they turn it on and they're in auto mode and then they get kind of frustrated they're like man my iphone takes better pictures why can't i take you know good photos with this expensive camera that i just bought and so um that's that's kind of what the the genesis of why i created the cheat sheets and what's awesome is that i've met people like yourself and i've met other people online through that creation and um i don't do a lot of advertising. A lot of it is word of mouth and, and people just sort of sharing and talking about it. And so I think if you create something that people love and they want to naturally share, um, that that is way obviously way more, you know, a lot easier to sell than something where you're trying to force that upon someone else. 
For sure. I mean, just naturally you have a great product and that kind of sells itself. But if you, so when you were starting out and before you kind of had this light bulb moment, um, how did, how did you work on getting more traffic and all that stuff to your product? So what I did is I, again, I just focused on, uh, creating tutorials and tips and, and shortcuts that were, related to a specific camera. So let's just say an example, the Canon T2i, which is a digital SLR. And so what I would do is create a bunch of tips and um, you know resources for that camera so that basically people who are on Google, uh, like yourself, and you're doing a search like, hey, how, you know, Google, how do I take a picture of my son uh, with my Canon T2i? My hope is that eventually that person would find me. And while me giving them free tips and free shortcuts and all that kind of stuff, that they would then come across a set of cheat sheets for their camera. And kind of by building trust, by giving them some free, really good content, that they would then sort of have that trust with me and then make that purchase. And so um, that's that's kind of how... I get people to the site is I try to create really, really good, interesting content that gets searched, uh, whether it's on Google or YouTube. And uh, that's kind of how I get people to the website to make a purchase. And so do you spend a lot of time on social media? I mean, the reason that I ask these things is I think the majority of the people who listen to my podcast and the questions that I've received are, you know, I love making things. I have really tough time marketing them. So I'm curious behind the process of, you know, once you have a product and it's going really well for you, how do you spend your time so that it's not all, you know, marketing promotion and you get to also, you know, keep creating, which is at least personally the fun part for me. Um, It sounds like maybe that's kind of the same situation you're in. Yeah, it is. Um, You know, so kind of my belief is I don't market my products. Um, I know that's kind of backwards. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll notice like I don't have posts where I'm like, hey, I've got a sale or hey, uh, buy my cheat sheets. Like I don't, I don't do that. I mean, I may, it uh, uh, you know, every once in a while, do like a giveaway where I actually give away the cheat cards for free, and that will actually generate some sales because people are seeing that I'm being generous and that I'm giving away something for free, and then they go check it out or they'll share it with their friends, and and so that will actually generate some sales. Um, but really, what I try to do is. I honestly try to just connect with people who are looking to take better pictures and by connecting them, connecting with them on a genuine, honest level that they develop this sense of trust and then they do the digging, they do the research on their own. Uh, so what I've seen is that by creating these sort of online friendships with people, they'll come to my website, they'll take the time to figure out what the cheat, cheat, cheat cards are and they'll then make the decision whether or not to purchase. And so that's how I've based my entire business really is first creating really good content and then focusing on people and being really genuine and honest about helping them and guiding them, giving them free advice. Um, I've been recently 
experimenting with uh, Facebook Live video, which is um, kind of scary, uh, where you uh, basically broadcast live to the world and people can log in and watch you. And so what I've done is I've done a couple of Q&As where people literally are asking me questions on the spot, you know, no preparation, and I'm kind of just replying back and helping them. And I do all of that for free. It, it takes a lot of time. Um, to plan that out in my day and, you know, do that completely for free. And again, in those videos, I don't market the cheat sheets. Um, I don't talk about them really because, again, I just want to develop a sense of trust with people. And I don't want to sit there and continually sell to them. So is it more difficult to pull that off um, and stick to the, I just want to connect and I want to help when things might not be going as great in terms of the business? Um, or have, have you just seen that the more you do that, the better things go? So I imagine that when, let's say, sales take a dip or something, it might put pressure um, right. on you and say, okay, now I need to do something differently. Right. I don't know. Is that, I'm just curious if something like that has ever happened. Yeah. No. So again, I think that's the power of people. So when you have people in your corner who support you no matter what, even if they've already purchased cheat cards, you know, I can't really continue to sell to those people with having just a singular product. So what they do is many times they're going to refer friends and family. And the reason they're doing that is because I've helped them. I've taken the time on my own to reply to every single question, every single comment across every social media, um, uh, network, uh, I take the time every day, hours upon hours, you know, replying to people and investing in people because essentially I want them to invest back in me. And if I had come up with a product back in 2002 and that was my sole focus, I would have had to market that product heavily because nobody would know who I am. Nobody would know. I, I haven't built up any sort of rapport with people. And so over the course of time, and that's the biggest thing for a lot of creators, is we want to create something, we want it out in the world, and we want people to receive it right away. We don't want to necessarily take the time to develop this relationship with people and have them in our corner so that when we do come to a point where we're ready to release a product, that they're then ready to buy it. Um, and so I, I believe heavily that if you put in the time, if you wait patiently, and you reply to every single comment, reply to every single question, you go out of your way to help other people, that it's going to return back to you. For sure, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious if, you know, if after over a decade of working on this, has your passion or love for photography stayed uh, or continue to grow? Or you know how sometimes people say, once you start working on something and it's your nine to five, or once you went right. full time with this, that sometimes it gets, you know, like, I don't want to pick up the camera. <laughs> I, right. I'm done with it for today. Like, I just <laughs> not that interested right now. And then obviously, you know, there's highs and lows. But I'm curious yeah. as to how your passion for, for photography has, you know, kind of waxed and waned as right. you've uh, been working on this full time. That's so true. I mean, every creative knows that 
that creative block, right? Like whether you're a writer, a painter, whatever you are, you have these moments where you're super inspired and you're ready to go out and like conquer the world. And then there's these other moments where you're like, you look at your stuff and you're just like, uh, this is horrible. Like I hate my work. And I don't know what that is with, with creators. I think we just have this, um, innate sense of like failure. Like we don't want to fail. And so many times we, you know, we, we weigh the risks. Like, do I really want to put myself out there? Do I really want to go out and experiment with something new? And that's something that, that I've done with photography is, you know, when I first started, I was single. And so I, I had a lot of time and I would go out and do a lot of like street photography and landscape photography. And then I got married. And so um, some of that time got taken away and then I had three kids and now even more of my time has been taken away. And so um, really, I guess for photography, I my shift has been different types of photography. So instead of having the time to go out and take pictures of landscapes and, and street scenes, now it's primarily my family. And so I've gotten really into portrait photography, which when you have three models, you know, at your disposal at any time, it's, it's pretty great. So uh, it's allowed me to kind of experiment with different, different types of photography, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, how when you're in something for so long, how do you kind of keep it fresh and, and keep it real? Um, you know, I actually just got done watching a really great documentary. It's actually a TV series on Netflix. It's called The Chef's Table. It's and, amazing. Oh man, it is so great. Like I, I wasn't a foodie until I watched that show. And now it's like, I just want to go out and eat like at all these expensive restaurants. Which was your favorite just out of curiosity? So yeah. So the, the one that really struck a chord with me was season two, episode one, and it's Grant Ashatz. And he has an amazing story. Um, he's a chef up in Chicago. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but um, one of the things that that was so amazing about him is that he literally doesn't care what the rules are. Like for him, creativity is all about risk. Like whether or not people are going to accept his creativity or not, he just doesn't care. And so that's kind of how I want to approach photography is I want to experiment with new things. I want to try new things, even if I post it and it's not well received. Uh, maybe people think it looks horrible. I don't care. I want, I want to take that risk because you don't, you won't get to that aha moment. You won't get to that beautiful, uh, you know, food like, like he's come across unless you, you try and you, and you go out and you risk and, uh, you're going to fail. But again, as we all know, there's, there's no way to learn how to succeed until you've failed a few times. For sure. I, I'm pumped to watch uh, the next season. But as you know, with a toddler around, oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's just like, I'd rather sleep. I, don't, yeah, right? I can't make the commitment to watching a 45-minute episode. I hear you. Movies just never happen. <laughs> um, I totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah, Chef's Table is amazing. My favorite episode was... Um, Actually, the restaurant who just won best restaurant in the in the world. Um, the first episode, the Italian couple. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, that's a great one. Osteria Francescana. Yes. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that love story. Just yeah, it's just, amazing. Yeah. That, if for anybody who hasn't seen that, you you may just have to like 
sign up for the Netflix Netflix trial and just watch that, like binge watch it for a week and then cancel your membership. <laughs> it's so worth it. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. So you have um, you mentioned that you were you've taken film lessons. Um, you I know just in our communication via email that you spend a lot of time on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how do you manage your every day? I mean, with three kids, you know, devoted dad, devoted father, like um, right. husband and devoted photographer teaching, you know, lots of people on the internet how to take better pictures. What does your day to day look like? Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, my family is, is my first love. And so if they're going to go do something fun, like go to the park or go get donuts or something like I'll stop whatever I'm doing and thankfully I've gotten to a point by working at home that I can make that decision. Um, but I will make the effort to go do that even if I'm busy. As far as how I manage time, really I'm very lucky. My wife, she takes care of our three kids during the day and she's got the hardest job in the world. Um, and so that allows me from like eight till five to really dedicate to um, my website, to social media, to creating videos. And so what I've done is I've tried going the schedule route, like being really organized and like, okay, I'm going to create a video today and I'm going to do th you know, this right now. But I think being a creative for some reason, that's not natural for us. Like we kind of ebb and flow with however we're being pulled. One thing that I've trained myself to do is to create a video every single week uh, and, and, and post that. And even if I have to kill myself, it's going to, there's going to be at least one video per week. And so I put a lot of effort into learning how to record video. Um, that It wasn't natural to me. I was, you know, photography is, is kind of a different realm. And so I put in a lot of time in learning how to record. And then I just got out and started doing it. And um, so as far as day-to-day, -day, it, it changes. Um, and what I try to do is every day I start by replying to every single question or comment. And that could be across my email, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it is. If there are questions or comments, I start by completely going through all of that. And it could take me an hour. It could take me three hours. But I want to put in the effort to reply to somebody who's taken the time to invest in me. And so that to me is the most important thing. And then with the, the time that I have left in the day, I then dedicate that to content. So whether I'm working on new cheat sheets or I'm creating uh, a tip or a resource on the website, or if I want to go out and record some video, I use that space or that time to do um, that part of my day. And it sounds like the majority of the work now is um, free content that you're putting out. What is, are you working on any um, future products that you're going to be selling or are you just constantly putting out more and more and more free stuff for us to enjoy? <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's, that's exactly it. Um, I, right now, I don't have any thoughts. I don't have any plans for future products and I know that that's not smart from a business perspective. However, I still am of the belief that if you put out really, really good content, if you reply and you invest in people, 
that eventually you're going to come across another aha moment. The reason I came across the cheat cards was because I would get questions every day, the same questions. And I thought, well, hey, why don't I answer those questions through a cheat sheet? And so that's kind of my process that by creating content, by reaching new people, they're going to comment, they're going to ask questions. And based on those questions, based on those comments, I can then create a product that fills a need for them. And what's great is that if you've developed a relationship with people, if I ever do come out with a new product, I have a lot of people in my corner who are going to be there to support me, whether it's buying it or recommending it to a friend or a family member. Um, and so that's, that's my focus. And I really believe that if you take the time to create free content that is discoverable, um, so that means it's, it's able to show up on Google, it's able to show up on YouTube when people do a search, that you're naturally going to get traffic and eventually you can convert that traffic into money. Um, and how you convert that into money is different for everyone and different for every industry. But um, if you take the time to invest in people, people will stick with you for years and years and years. However, if you just have a good product and you don't invest in people, those people who purchased your, your product a, a long time ago, they, they've probably lost contact or they don't keep up with you. And so they won't necessarily be there the next time you have something to release to the world. And so I, I've said this to other people who've asked me, and um, it sounds really like theological, but I, I would rather have 100 rabid, awesome, amazing online friends who support everything that I do, every piece of content, every video, that if I had 100 likes, 100 comments, 100 shares for every piece of content that I put out there, that to me is way more valuable than having 100,000 followers who may at one point had followed you because you had done something cool, but then they don't follow you on a regular basis. So when you publish something, it falls on deaf ears. Uh, you have this crowd of people who are, you know, it looks nice in your profile, like, hey, I've got 100,000 followers, but if none of them are engaging with you and none of them are in your corner, what's, what's the point? It's, it's just a, a number. It's just a status symbol that really doesn't convert to anything. Um, and I, I'm, I'm of the belief that if you put the time into people and you develop those relationships that they are going to be there for you whenever you release something. And um, that's, that's my wholehearted belief. So my, I guess my closing question would be, this sounds like a very peaceful and <laughs> zen approach to business. Um, right. And to, you know, your passion and, you know, online business, which is very different from normal business, I feel. Sure, it is. How did you develop this mindset of coming? You know, was it, were you always, was this always your mindset or was there, you know, just something that, taught you this because I feel like the majority of people don't launch their online business in such a trusting way. And I'm very curious as to how you came across this in a way that not only works for you, but it sounds like you have very little stress too. So um, <laughs> please shed some light for the yeah. rest of us. So 
I guess the way I look at it is it's it's like a mom and pop store that's been around for a hundred years in a in a community somewhere. The the reason that they continue to be successful, the reason they continue to not really worry is that they have invested in the local community. So they've developed honest friendships and they've developed relationships with people. And those people will continue to support them no matter what, even if they move outside the community. And so that was always my, my thought process that by investing in people and by really taking the effort and the time to you know, and really, it's, a lot of times it's a sacrifice because you're not being paid um, to sit there for hours and answer questions. Um, you're not being paid to, you know, reply and to go to other follow, you know, people who that you've, you're friends with to go to their stuff and interact with their content. And, and that takes effort. Uh, and so, but what I've seen is that when you invest in people rather than a product that no matter what you do, whether it's a piece of content or you come up with something later on, those people will always be there with you. Like I've developed actual friendships online that are going to continue on and they're always going to be there. It's like having actual friends and family in real life. And so those people are always there to support you. And so that's that's my my thought process in, uh, in doing that. There's a couple people that um, you know, growing up, my my grandfather, um, we called him Bapa. He he was a, a people person, meaning he would go out and he would just really invest in people. Now I'm naturally shy, I'm naturally inverted, but I I really appreciated how he would invest in people, and he was a very successful businessman because he did that. He took the time. He would bring people cookies. He would go out of his way to call people and ask them how their day was going. And I think that if we applied the same humanness to the online space, instead of considering people as numbers and as followers and as a, a stat in your analytics, like actually think of them as real people, like people that you want to interact with and that you want to spend time with um, and that you want to develop that relationship with so that they can then support you. You know, I listening to you speak, I think this might be a result of the fact that you came into the online space in 2001 <laughs> and not um, <laughs> just recently where every, I yeah. mean, the feeling is more like follow this formula, one, two, three, and you'll be making right. millions and all this stuff. And it, it, it seems like a more, like you said, a mom and pop, but just like that old school, good feeling vibe. And so thank you for sharing that because I think it's very refreshing, especially in this, you know, the current state of online business. Um, where, you know, things don't happen as quickly as yeah. people advertise, but that's okay. And like you said, you know, as long as you're investing in people, um, you can't go wrong, really. So Yeah, and, and, and listen, I know that that's very general, like, and, and it's it's something that maybe a lot of creatives, they want that instant, you know, sort of trick to get a, a million followers, to have an amazing product, to, to make millions of dollars online. But, but honestly, if you take the time to develop really good content and put it out there, let it be free. And then you, you also take the time to really go out and talk to people and comment on their stuff and invest in them that you will develop those relationships. And then that will in turn um, shed light on what you're doing. I, I've noticed that by here recently in the last six months, 
I didn't invest in social media very much. I had for a lo- for many years I had focused entirely on the website. And so this December I decided one I'm going to create a video every week. I'm going to post it to YouTube and I'm going to start incorporating my family so that there's this you know genuineness to it that I'm I'm letting people into my life a little bit. And on Facebook, I'm going to post something every single week and I'm going to help people. I'm going to answer every single question. And on Instagram, I, I'm going to go out and every single follower that I have, I'm going to take the time every day to like their stuff and to comment on their stuff and invest in them. And what I've seen is exponential growth in the last six months because I've taken the time to not only be genuine and open, but to really relate to people on their level, relating to the things that they're working on so that they can then invest back in me. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's definitely something that um, everybody who at least has written to me um, that listens to the podcast can start applying to their yeah. to their own creative work You know, immediately. Sure. Like you said, oh, it's general, but it's really not. It, it, that might be a good thing. Um, sure. Because it's applicable to everybody. And I, I know that we have writers and photographers and hand letters and, you know, all kinds of painters and stuff listening. So right. um, I didn't think that we would go this way in the interview, but I'm very, <laughs> very glad that we did. So thank yeah. you. Thank, well, you, thank so you so much, much. for sharing that. And now I'm going to go stalk you on Instagram and you can stalk me. And it'll be so much fun. Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for sharing all this with us and taking the time. And I, I appreciate that very much. I know that with everything you've got going on, um, your time is valuable. And now I'm going to go watch some of your YouTube videos. <laughs> thank you, Marcella. <laughs> I definitely and need the camera tips. So um, <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I appreciate what you do and for us creators and kind of having a voice. And, and by the way, just as a compliment, I think that you have a great voice for podcasting. I think the accent uh, adds a little flair, which is great. And I think that the topics and the people that you've interviewed um, are really inspiring and helpful for a lot of creators out there. Thanks. I appreciate that. And like I, I told you the other day, that is, I'm saving that. <laughs> saving awesome. it for, for a rainy day when I don't feel like podcasting or doing I, what I need to do and, and helping people or to help people. I will definitely call up your kind words. So thank you so much. So that's it for today's episode of Process. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll have more next week on how to manage the ups and downs of creating and making. In particular, that will be an interview with Violeta Nedkova of creativerebelacademy.com. So thanks for listening to Moose's stories and experiences. It's been really refreshing for me and a really great reminder of how to start off 2017 without paying attention to what you know, what the analytics say and really focus on the people. And that's what really matters. So thanks for listening. I hope it inspired you and tune in next week. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. <laughs>